When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Welcome back to Girls Next Level, everybody. Bridget and I are so excited today because we have a very special guest, and she's actually our first repeat guest we've ever had on. We have Carmela De Caesar, Playmate of the Year 2004, one of our favorite playmates and favorite friends. Thank you. Yay. I'm so happy to be here. Yes. So happy to see both of you in person. Right? That's what I was going to say, in person. In person. It's yeah. so nice because it's been so long. Tell us what you've been up to. So, well, um, busyness of just being a mom. I have four kids, four teenagers. Um, they are almost 12, 13, 14, and 15. Aww. So that keeps me super busy. And then I also, um, I'm working full-time as a real estate agent. I took a job with the Oppenheim Group. We just opened um, a La Jolla office uh, near San Diego. So that's been, it's been very front-loaded and a lot of work out the gate, but super fun. And an, a, it's a good challenge. It's a really competitive industry. And uh, I'm liking it. Have what? Tell us about one of the coolest houses that you have been involved in or seen. Well, my focus is real estate development. I've been in development since 2017. So we've built some really cool ones. Um, we did a couple that are in this area called the Covenant in Rancho Santa Fe. The first house that I sold, we built from the ground up. It sold in 2018. We sold it for like 8.1 million. It was beautiful, Whoa. modern. It had acreage. Um, beautiful porcelain floors and just it's it's nice to be a part of the, the whole process and not just the selling part of it and to be able to have some creativity and design so yeah um, we've done some good ones we did a really another cool one there around the same price point but the the modern has been the look for a while and yeah so yeah I saw this cool house the other day and it had a lazy river I love that. I, I love want the, that. Yeah. That would be so fun. I know. I think we were sending it to each other going, yeah. this is my dream. <laughs> Let's get a lazy river. We need a grotto. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't even need the grotto part. I just want the lazy river. Yeah. I just want to float around in a circle all day long. <laughs> yeah. This lazy river like went into a cave and there were like waterfalls going to, it looked so cool. Oh, Amazing. I love that kind of stuff. I love houses that have like weird features like that. Or mm -hmm. like we've talked about before, secret passages mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Panic rooms. Oh, well, <laughs> I, I like need the panic room. <laughs> well, I feel like modern houses are less likely to have like secret passages yeah. and lazy rivers, but they're more likely to have the panic room. Yeah, they <laughs> definitely are more on like the <laughs> sterile side. Um, I like the modern architecture, but uh, I also like, you know, the uniqueness of, of different homes too. So um, yeah, we, we, we sell a lot. We see a lot. So it's been... Yeah. It's been fun. Would you say modern is your favorite architecture style? Probably not. I like it and I feel like it sells and it sells at the higher numbers, but probably not. I like something with a little more detail and character. Yeah. More traditional mm -hmm. or probably. We like the storybook tutor stuff. I know. <laughs> I do love that. I That's, love that. Yeah. So cute. That's what we like too. You see a lot of that like East Coast vibe of like the, you know, the English tutors, the storybook tutors. I like a house that has a lot of detail and character and, mm -hmm. you know, something that that makes it super unique um but i get you know that's the look and and people like it but it's not for everybody yeah i'm i've always been a little different so well speaking of gothic tutors <laughs> there's one very famous one that we're very familiar with yeah <laughs> let's take it back to the mansion so secrets of playboy season two now we know because you told us that you were approached to do it maybe right. like five or six months ago yeah, it ended up airing a little bit earlier than what I thought. I think it was originally slated for August. Mm -hmm. And then um, it they said it was July. It came, you know how it's like when you do a, you do a Playboy centerfold, it's like, oh my gosh, it's a year from now. Yeah. It just, it comes like that. You always think it's going to take forever mm -hmm. and, you know, you're going to be waiting for it to come out. But um, this, this really crept up on me. So I wasn't quite ready. In fact, I didn't tell a lot of people... Like I should have had like a watch party or something, but I didn't know. <laughs> that could be scary. Yeah. That's what I was afraid of. I, I didn't know what it was going to um, turn out like. So then I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll do like a watch party after I've watched it. But a I just. A rewatch party. I yeah. was nervous because you never know. And I'm a fast talker by nature. And I'm sure I probably said a lot of things. I'm like, I hope I didn't. 
offend somebody, yeah. I, you know, say something that I regret or what if I said something and then they cut it a certain way. So I had all, all of those fears. I'm curious, did they ask you to do this um, before or after you did our podcast? After, I believe. Yeah, I got a random call and I thought it was like fraud. You know, I was like, they called like, oh, the so-and-so. And I'm like, I haven't been in Playboy or in the public eye for like a hundred years. So I'm thinking it's like a fraud call. So I was probably not very friendly <laughs> when they're initially, you know, saying that they were doing this interview. I'm like, yeah, right. Like, and so then as we started talking, I'm like, oh, I think they're like legit. Like they're, they're really from A&E. And so um, I ended up I was hesitant. I didn't agree to it right away because especially after the first season, mm -hmm. I felt nervous. I just, I was really apprehensive going into it. I yeah. mean, the first season I was like, whoa, there was just, yeah. there was a lot of um, opinions and emotions and I just didn't know that I wanted to be a part of it. Season one was traumatic to even watch. Like mm -hmm. I didn't watch my episode, but I watched every other one and I had nightmares after every other episode. Yeah. So it's a lot. And even with this new season coming out, I'm like, again? Yeah. Because, of course, I'm going to hear about what's being said anyway. I'm probably going to watch most of it. I watched your episode, the first episode, and that one didn't give me nightmares, thank God. Right. But, but the next one's coming, for sure. Yeah. And even in the previews for the next one, I was like, whoa. Like, it's Yeah, because it looks intense. like they're doing reenactments of the bedroom scene. And I'm like, okay, that's traumatic. Oh, it is. Do we really need to do that? <laughs> it's traumatizing yeah. to watch that and listen to that and everything. And I'm not here for it. I don't want to. I might have to, but I don't want to. Right. Yeah. And, and you don't know how it's going to be told, right? Yeah, like 100%. It seems from what I saw, from what I remember and what I recall, I don't remember the girls that are on the episode really being up there for any great length of time any significance any great length of time so i just you just don't know how that's like their opinion or experience may not be yours and so it's just it's probably emotional on all fronts yeah and it also sort of makes me mad too because my story from playboy and my feelings towards playboy are very positive and i feel like they had me in an episode that is mostly negative and i told them before i did it that i I don't share the same story as those other people. Like, I don't have the same narrative that you guys are talking about in there. And they assured me that they were trying to get both sides of the story and have, like, a well-rounded story, but they weren't. Yeah. And I kind of knew that. That was my gut going in, but I thought I'm going to go in anyway and, and do it. And then all they use is, like, tiny tidbits just to reinforce Holly's story, which is fine because mm -hmm. those are true and stuff. Right. But they didn't tell my story at all. I felt like That's I was sort what of I kept used. hearing. I was just used mm -hmm. to reinforce Holly's story, which I'm not, I'm not against that or yeah. anything like, of course, you know, but like my story didn't get told. And now I'm just lumped into people who don't like Playboy and don't like Hef. And, and I'm like, that's not my story though. Right. Stop lumping me in with that. Well, I think that was kind of like the commonality amongst all of the people that did it. Anyone that I spoke to that had done season one felt like their true story wasn't shared or it was, you know, cut differently or they didn't use any of their footage. Some of the girls that did it weren't, they didn't even use any of that footage. So if it wasn't in line with what their storyline was, they either didn't use it or they only spliced and used parts of it. Mm -hmm. This was a new producer. Um, Dominie Hoffman was, is the new producer on season two. So it wasn't the same producer. So I was trying to give her the benefit of the doubt that yeah. it would be done differently. And she said to me, I said, I'm really nervous to do this. There's been a lot of heat after season one. And she said, I can promise you, I was not the producer. This is going to be different and you can trust me. And I laughed and I said, do you know, it's not that I'm not, not trusting you, but do you know how many times people have said that? Yeah. And, you know, we'll throw you to the wolves. Like you can't trust anybody, right. especially in Hollywood. Like you can't trust people taking, you know, some of the photographers that have taken our pictures, like, hey, we're going to see this, but like, they won't show this. I have pictures on the internet that I can think of specifically from a shoot with not a typical Playboy photographer. It was an online guy, but you know, you're 18, 19 and being told that, you know, we see it, but like, they're never going to publish this. And those pictures are all over the internet Yeah, and you can't take it back. Right. And I, to this day, I would have, I don't regret posing for Playboy and I would do it again if it were around and I was that age, but I wouldn't have taken those photos, um, but they're out there. 
Yeah. And I have to live with it. And I have to live with it now being a mom and having, you know, children. So, mm -hmm. um, so I, I didn't trust Domini, but I will say that um, I really enjoyed working with her. And I thought she did a very fair depiction of what it was a true documentary style piece, which was great. Um, I feel like it really did tell the story in many ways. There were a couple of things that were a little off to me personally, but but well, all in all, she did a great job. We're going to break it down point by point so you can kind of tell us mm -hmm. like what what you didn't agree with or like things that you maybe didn't say quite that way. Speaking of having it come out a little earlier than you thought, I was surprised at how little promo I saw for this season because Bridget was like, oh, did you hear there's a Secrets of Playboy season two? Where did you even see it? Just on TV? Yeah, it just, yeah, it came up. Oh, I was just watching another program. It was like, oh, Secrets of Playboy, Monday. And I was like, wait, in a week? Yeah. What? Yeah, so we watched the promo together and I kept like rewatching it, trying to figure out who was all in the promo. And I'm like, they've got so many views just from us, but like we haven't heard anything about it. Like nobody's tagging me in it. I don't see anybody talking about it on TikTok. It's mm -hmm. weird how like the first season they rolled it out and I was really not happy with the way they promoted the first season because they asked me if I wanted to be part of the press to promote it. I said, absolutely not. And then a couple months before it came out, I start seeing all these tabloid articles, which is like farming out my trauma story and like the yeah. grossest way possible, which I'm fine talking about in a long format if people want to sit through that. But I don't like it when it's beaten down to like two sentences. Right. And then I get dragged for that all over the internet and I have yeah. to see it popping up on my phone. And Bridget's like, it's not even my story and I'm traumatized and I'm seeing it. Yeah, because yeah, it was so out of context. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you can't get the full story in two lines. So it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I could see how that could be. Mm -hmm. difficult. So now they're back with season two. And I also noticed that they've turned it into a whole franchise. Like they don't just have secrets of Playboy. They also have secrets of Miss America yes, and they have I a secrets of penthouse coming out. Uh -huh. So it's like all this stuff. And I don't really know what they're doing here with this season, because of course in the commercials, it looks like it's all going to be very salacious like last season. But this first episode seemed more well-rounded with all kinds of different stories. So I don't really know what they're going for, but I did want to ask you if you got any like pushback or any like negative reactions from people for even being a part of it because the commercials always do make everything look so very negative right right and i agree with you there there didn't seem to be a lot of um pre-press to it and yeah. i i hadn't seen anything i hadn't seen any um ads for it or commercials but a couple people had called and said mm -hmm. oh i saw you know a, a brief thing that it's coming out so i know that you know there was a little bit but i don't think that they um that they really blew it up with the press initially um but i don't i haven't heard a whole lot about it i don't have a huge social media presence um which is probably a, a probably good, for the best yeah sometimes it can be a relief thing. yeah right um you're always trying to like in real estate you want to build your social mm -hmm. media but then i'm like oh wait hold on yeah um, i think i'm okay but um yeah i haven't really heard much even after you know besides like a some you know just some dms you know i saw you great job and yeah. So I haven't really heard anything negative, but I also think that that episode was very well-rounded and just kind of more like informative of the mm -hmm. process of that particular reality show. Yeah, Like for this sure. was the, you know, it was just like kind of we've talked about before. It's like an America's Next Top Model. It's just kind of explaining the process of what that was mm -hmm. for the time. That wasn't every Playmates process. It was no. a unique situation yeah. with the reality. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney. Make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusion supply. See store or jcp.com for details. Holiday show. I felt like they kept trying to act like they were going to go negative with things and then it never really panned out. Like they would be that they, they, I felt like they were kind of leading to things that then you guys would answer the questions and then it wouldn't be that way. Do you know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about? Like it, I felt like there was like three times in there where it was like, 
and then this happened they were critiquing them oh but then it's playboy and that was okay or yeah. they were like you know, i don't know there was just like different times in there where i felt like it was alluding to like okay now here's where it gets really bad but yeah. then it didn't but then it, it was tame like they're saving for episode two. <laughs> oh god saving it till next week so for oh. those of you guys who may or may not have watched it it was called which i did not know it was called girl next door the search for the playboy playmate i always heard it was just called the search for the playboy playmate or the who wants to be a playboy playmate yeah but then we did a little digging and we figured out I mean, obviously, I was there in real time, so I kind of remember it, yeah. but it happened so fast because I also forgot that it was only a two-hour special. Like, yeah. when I think of it in my mind, I assume it was, like, a series of, like, six episodes. Yes. But it was a two-hour special. When it first was on the air on Fox, it was called Girl Next Door, Search for a Playboy Centerfold. But then when Playboy did their own DVD version that included, like, the nudity and the outtakes, they called it Who Wants to Be a Playboy Playmate? And then on the cover of the magazine, I think it said, when it had the three winners on there, it said, like, Who Wants to Be a Playboy Centerfold or Who Wants to Be a Playboy Playmate? So, like, that's the name I remember the show with. So I was like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all I remembered it being, too. Well, I don't think they really knew either. This was, like, 2002-ish, right? 2002, 2003. So it was literally the very start of reality TV. I mean, there was, like, real world and road rules. But, I mean, as far as, like, these contests go to, like, you know, whether it was America's Next Top Model or to be a Playmate or um, The Amazing Race, these contest type of shows. Yeah. It was the very, very start of it. So it was kind of new. You know, it was on Fox. It was very mainstream, but it was it was new to, to everybody, not just to like a particular network, but to to the country. It was new. Yeah. The reality competition stuff. Mm -hmm. The showrunner on the show says in 2001, Playboy was having a bit of a renaissance. Hef was newly single and they were trying to mainstream their brand because print media was going out of business and he saw his business dying. It's not surprising they would want to do this show. Was Hef single in 2001? I hope so. He? <laughs> well, I mean, he, he wasn't because was we were there. <laughs> yeah, um, his marriage ended in like '98, I believe. Okay. So, or they got separated or whatever. So it was like the seven girlfriends thing. I think just because Hef was like out on the town and stuff. Yeah. And granted, like Playboy, as far as like magazine sales, it wasn't as much of a heyday as like the early '70s. Right. But I wouldn't say the business was as bad as the showrunner was trying to make it sound. I don't know if the producers like kind of fed him lines like "set the stage." Why yeah. would Playboy want to do a reality yeah. show? But he kind of made it sound like, "Oh, Playboy was going down the tube, so of course they're going to want to try and mainstream it and do a reality show." But I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think when like maybe magazine sales went down, that's why in the '80s they wanted to start a home video component or a Playboy channel but i feel like wanting to do a reality show that's something hef would have wanted to do anyway like he always loved you know he wanted to be in the film business and the tv business i don't think it was like some desperate thing like oh playboy's dying they have to do a reality well show. a competition reality show that involved playmates but mm -hmm. not like a reality show involving him because he was kind of anti doing that kind of thing for a while oh yeah yeah he wasn't like on that yet but i think he would have loved to have a tv show about playmates right? yeah and especially it's showcasing like the process Mm -hmm. of becoming a playmate and how they're selected yeah. and the you know just to show the entire process is kind of like documentary style it i didn't have a super close relationship with him but it appears that he kind of liked that whole docu style you know so Definitely. and then it's you know written in history and show you know for years it, it's shown and mm -hmm. and it gives the viewers a chance to like get to know the women of the magazine yeah and that makes it more mm -hmm. interesting when you see the pictorial i right. feel like Definitely. Right. So the showrunner goes on to say that their goal was to show everybody what goes into becoming a Playboy centerfold without being perverse. And the prize was becoming a Playboy Playmate Miss July 2002. But I feel like some people came out with a better prize. Like that was the big prize, but then they end up getting three Playmates and two Playmates of the Year, like you and Christina both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that wasn't even the best prize out of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I feel like. No. <laughs> no. And then they have Jill Scott on. She's explaining how lucrative it is to become a playmate. And we've broken those numbers down before. And it's not really all that lucrative. It's what you get after that or because yes. of it mm -hmm. that it makes it more lucrative. Mm -hmm. It sounds like a lot of money when you're like a young girl from a small town. Like, oh, $25,000 for one shoe? Right, Great. Right. But then it's like, of course, it's broken down over, you know, Two it takes years. time to get the money and takes right. more work. And taxes taken out of that. It's not it's not a ton and you have to do that video to get all oh, the money yeah. i've never watched mine <laughs> never i have never watched it. oh no I what was, was your theme 
I don't remember. Oh. I just remember <laughs> you had to have a guy in the video. <gasps> yeah, Playmate of the Year had to have a guy. Right. You had to have a guy in the video. And so at the time I was dating somebody. And so he was a model. He was from back home in Cleveland, but he modeled as well. So he was the guy. Oh, good. And then we had this really nasty breakup. Oh, no. And I never watched the video ever. Oh, yeah. And you just feel in doing the video for me was a little bit more difficult. One, the whole guy part. And it was awkward. And, you know, in front of you've got a whole crew of people. But um, it's just it, there's just an element of like cheese. It's it's yeah. I mean, it just felt really silly. And, you know, there's music going. You're riding a bike and you're flipping your hair and it just <laughs> and you're naked. It, it was just. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Holly and I talk all the time on the show about how it's so different to pose for Playboy, mm. like still pictures, photographs with lighting and everything, and then just doing a video right. when you're naked. It's totally different. It's a whole different comfort different. level, I feel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had a rollerblade around Playboy Studio West. Like, I'm like rollerblading <laughs> around the office naked, and I'm just like, this is fucking bizarre. Like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, they had some funny setups. They always had to think of like yeah. some scenario. College, like, some like girl next door. Yeah. I'm like eating, you know, we talked about this last time. I'm like eating a pizza and they have a Sprite can. I'm like chilling on the bed in a thong. And I'm like, this is like, it just was weird. It was awkward. <laughs> and then, you know, Carmen Electra has got, she's super smoking hot. And there's like water flying everywhere. And I'm like, where's the water? Like, I want to be, <laughs> be hot. I don't want to be eating pizza with a Sprite can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then the showrunner goes on to say that they spread a pretty wide net looking for contestants for this they were looking for something that playboy had embodied for ye for years after years the real experience of someone being plucked out of hometown usa and put into los angeles to live the dream but then lauren had already done a shoot for she talks about how she'd already been like topless for a college girl college edition girls, yeah and then Jill was talking about how she's done like, I forget, like 20 something special editions before doing this. And I was like, wait, that's not, that's not just nobody out of, I mean, I'm sure a lot of girls from just hometown USA were plucked out of nowhere, but the two of them that made it weren't, they had experience with Playboy itself. Right. Right. Which I didn't realize that until I watched the show. I didn't know that. Cause yeah. I was, I mean, it felt really cool to think like Playboy went to however many cities, 12, 13 cities around like the entire US and to feel like there are, you know, 12 girls picked. Was there a total of 12? 12 girls picked out of like the whole country, basically. Yeah. You're just like, wow, this is like a super honor. But I didn't realize that two of them had previously, you know, done any sort of work with Playboy. And then on the flip side, I thought it was super cool that three of the girls on the show came from Cleveland. Oh, I didn't oh, realize yes. too. Yes, there was a girl from the east side of Cleveland, and then somewhere there, the other one was from somewhere else. But I was like, three girls out of the entire country wow. came out of Cleveland, which was really special because I'm such a huge promoter of like where I'm from. I love, I love yeah. Cleveland. I love the city. I love the character, the sports, the people, all of it. And so I'm like, wow, like three special women came out of there. So it was really an honor, but I didn't realize that there was, you know, any prior connection. Well, there might've been more girls that had prior connection. I'm only going off this show where two of them talk about it. And mm. there, there's only what, three of you interviewed? Four, four of you interviewed. Yeah. So it was Jill Scott, Lauren, Shallon, and myself. So yeah. four of us. Yeah. So out of the four, two had previous, mm -hmm. so who knows about the other eight. Right. And Shellen's talking about what Playboy's looking for, they, that they want to pick the girl that you never thought would do it, not the girl you thought would. Right. That's true. That was totally like what the brand was. Girl next door. Yeah. And Shellen says Playmate was not her dream. And Lauren later says that too. It always guts me when people say that because I'm just like, I wanted it so bad and for so Everyone's long, dream though. That one's some, you think, you think that yeah, everybody really I think secretly wants it, but... I mean, I'm sure you'll have a million people that will say that's not the case, but I mean, if they're given the opportunity, I mean, I don't know. I turned it down, um, but it was my dream. I just was too scared to, you know, jump at it. But yeah. I mean, Playboy magazine in the early 2000s was the look like everybody. The Playboy Mansion was a much different place at that 100%. time. A anyone who was anyone was at the mansion, the, whether it was the parties or being a part of the magazine. It was, a, I mean, during that time, it was really big. Yeah, for sure. It was huge. And Shellen says that she had never seen a Playmate, a Playboy magazine before. And so she went and bought one and she knew that this was a big opportunity. So even right. though she wasn't like 
dying to do it. She saw the opportunity in it. She said she was shy and she told her mom she wasn't sure if she'd be able to get naked. And her mom said, well, there's only one way to find out. Right. <laughs> Shallon was Hef's initial favorite from the Polaroids because he thought she looked like Nicole Kidman. Oh, she and did, she kind of does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She kind of yeah. does. Mm -hmm. She yeah. said she was scared, but tired of being scared. And I get that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like there's things in my life where I think back and I'm like, no, you just have to do it. You just can't be scared of it. And you just have to give it a try. Mm -hmm. Right. You know that you want it, but then you just, you're, it's like an internal war where you're just questioning, you know, do I, don't I, but and I mean, I, I felt like that was my whole story there. I wanted to do it. I wanted to, I wanted to use that as a platform and I wanted a more exciting life. I, I loved where I was from, but I wanted to grow. And I knew that that was you know, and the opportunity, but yeah. you're just, you're terrified. Well, I was going to do you next. It's mm -hmm. I put, um, so you were only 19 mm -hmm. and you saw a promo on your local news and you just decided, do you want to do that? Did you, uh, were it. you thinking about it before that at all? Or was this the first time you were like, wait, that's a great idea. That's what I want to do. That it probably was like that. Um, I, I was doing some local modeling, but Playboy wasn't even on my radar because they're just, wasn't the opportunity. Like, how would I, you know, go to LA? It's, you know, so far from where I was from or meet Hugh Hefner. It was like a dream on TV. Did I sit my whole life growing up thinking I want to be a Playboy Playmate? No, but I knew that I wanted to be a model. I just didn't think I would have the opportunity to do Playboy. And frankly, when I told my dad that I was going to go try out, he laughed and he was like, with what? <laughs> and he's very sarcastic by nature. Uh -huh. um, and we kind of make fun of each other and that's like our thing. But, and so, but as it continued, because, you know, it was a process and as they kind of showed throughout the documentary, you know, you would go to the next level and then on to the next. And as it progressed, I think he started sweating bullets. Like this may become a legitimate opportunity. Yeah. But no, it wasn't like a dream since I was a kid because it's not like I'm walking around my house. There weren't Playboys anywhere. I know people say like, oh, my dad had them. Mine, mine didn't. And That's me. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't really know. Yeah. So it's like kind of an, a moment of you see it on TV, like I'm going to go do that. Yeah. And what was that process like? I was traumatized, like not traumatized, but like terrified. Terrified is the word. I was so afraid. I wanted it, but I had such severe anxiety that I, it, my anxiety wouldn't allow me to get through that and do it. Even though I knew I wanted to, the most beautiful women that I could think of grace the pages of this magazine. I wanted to be a part of it, but I was just so, I keep going back to, I was so young. Yeah. So young and, you know, inexperienced and probably not very mature. And so, and that was a little bit of the internal struggle because when I got to LA and started to see the differences in myself versus some of the other contestants, they were way more experienced on different levels. And that scared the shit out of me. So then they were talking about Lauren and um, she was 21. Like we talked about earlier, she had done it before or she had done the college thing before. She said she would only do topless at that time. Well, the showrunner said that Lauren was very confident and competitive and she understood what, what she was doing there and what her goals were, but she was insecure about her own body and that's what made it interesting to us. And I just thought, really? That's the part that made it interesting to you? The showrunner almost made it sound like to me that it made her more interesting because she had body image issues because she wasn't confident in her body. She was confident in everything else, but not confident in her body. Huh. I don't know. That's the way it, it sounded to me. Like it made her more interesting somehow as a character on the show. I remember there was a portion of the show where she was like on the phone with her mom or something. And she was like, everybody like, since when do you have to have fake boobs to look good? Because I don't, I, and I don't remember what prompted that. I don't know if somebody on one of the photo shoots had made a comment about like, I don't know, natural boobs not standing up, or I don't know what the, what had prompted her to say that. But I think there was some thread of a storyline there. Yeah. Well, then it shows her watching her posing on for the TV show and everything. And she says that it tugged at her heartstrings seeing herself like that. But I wasn't sure what she meant by it. Like if she felt sorry for her younger self for doing that, or if she was excited about the opportunity that that young girl was about to get. I wasn't sure how to interpret what she said. I think sometimes mm -hmm. you look back on things and they look a little more sexual than you remember because you're yeah. like on your hands and knees in a bikini and yeah. maybe it's shot from a certain angle. But maybe 
you know, when she was doing that, it didn't feel as risque as it looked. And you're looking back on yourself young, just kind of like, oh, because I do that with all kinds of photos yeah. and things, you know? Yeah. I was kind of thinking too, that she was going there with it. It's sort of a mixture. Like you don't regret it, but then at the same time you see it back and you're like, okay. It looks a little, di sometimes the photos look different than they felt in the moment. Yeah. Right. She said she was just so young and innocent. Then they talked to Jill Scott. She said she was 21 from just outside of Atlanta. She was already a mom. And she said she worked in a club. Did she work in a strip club or did she just work in a club club? Because it's not clear. I thought she also said she worked at Hooters because she said somebody well, she, else who worked at Hooters. She said she worked in a club. And then she said that she ran into somebody else that she worked at Hooters with. But it wasn't. Oh. I wasn't sure if she was working at Hooters at the same time. And I was confused. Like, I don't know if they were trying to be like not say it exactly or if it's not that i'm not sure yeah i don't know i remember meeting jill back when the show was being filmed and i really liked her i thought she was like super warm she was like one of the first people like i really connected with and i don't remember her telling me where she worked i thought she like worked at hooters but maybe she had another job i don't know the only reason i even bring it up is because she's already a mom and if it is a strip club we know that those are two things that have like automatically doesn't like in a playmate and it's interesting that they would have picked her for the show knowing already they have to know that hef has a bias against those things i would think I don't, yeah i don't know i wonder if it's also too just like an element of diversity amongst the girls like you have one that has you know a child at home like they just wanted it to be a little bit different from girl to girl because their experiences and it's just it's just different so maybe yeah. it's just part of where maybe half didn't like a strip club or strippers or that wasn't typically what he would pick with a playmate but for th for this particular show yeah it just gave a little bit of like some differences from instead of like 12 beautiful single ladies you know yeah she had a child at home and it and there was a a part in the um show where she was crying she missed her daughter i don't know if they showed that in the documentary but mm -hmm. in the actual show um she was crying she missed her daughter she was homesick there was you know that it was yeah. hard as well yeah. yeah they want to get all that drama they like, want to get all the drama people missing their home right. and like giving up things to be there mm -hmm. showing how important yeah. it is but also showing diversity in the characters right and, everything. and not just like your typical centerfold yeah these are all 12 college girls and right because yeah. <laughs> that'd be a boring show right there's mm -hmm. not much yeah you know there's not a whole lot of content but it did make for some additional you know drama because it probably pulled it the heartstrings of you know the viewers she's got a child at home and then there's like that judgment what is she doing there if she's got a, a child at home and yeah. it, it creates a lot of judgment and drama definitely does and then the showrunner says that hef was really good at verbalizing what women had or what they lacked is that part hard to watch back critiquing you know for me it wasn't so much because it was just kind of I felt like it was kind of the process and they were really trying to show you what the process looked like to, in today's world, it would not be accepted yeah. at all by any means would not be accepted. But during that time, it was probably realistically what was taking place right, wrong or indifferent. It probably was a true depiction of, you know, what he would say. And he probably didn't think twice saying it on television but now i think you would yeah well there was a whole show on called hot or not yes people would walk yes. out and they would like laser point everything that was wrong with you yeah <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> oh, i'm sorry because it's such a ridiculous premise of a show that would never ever ever be, be okay, okay. Right? in a million years right but that's the thing times were different and like i mean what was okay then isn't okay now and what's okay now probably won't be okay later so it was kind of his job to do that to critique all of the girls but i just feel like it's really hard to listen to that and hear it back about yourself and about people that you got close to right yeah there was just no sensitivity because obviously he has to make a decision based on something and clearly like the reality show people are going to want the drama of it so they're going to want to include it but it's like just nobody's thinking about how anybody else feels. Cause like I had that job too, but I would have never said on camera, like when we were doing the search for the 55th, oh, let's cut her. She's too heavy. Like I would have rather, I would have died if somebody would caught me say that on camera. Not cause it makes me look bad because I would be terrified of like hurting her feelings. Right. Or anybody else bad. who feels like they might feel overweight that day or something. Yeah. Lauren says she was, she wasn't nervous about being naked or posing for the magazine at all, but she was terrified of living in the house with 11 other women. And I feel like she had right to be terrified of that. Yeah. <laughs> Just living in a house with seven other women. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll tell you. 
<laughs> and these are women competing all at one time, you know, yeah. to, to win the show. And there were points where I felt like women, some of the women in the house would do whatever it took to get that. And that's where my struggle was. I wasn't willing to step outside of my own boundaries to win. I wasn't willing to, um, I wasn't willing to do some of the things that I saw on the show. Tell us a story. What, what was happening? I mean, I wasn't going to do things that would embarrass myself or my family. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to win this competition. They're, they're wanting this more than I am. I'm going to remain true to myself and to be authentic. And I'm not willing to, it's just, there was just a display of, there were a lot of things that were just too much that I was probably confused. Like, is this Playboy? Like, I probably didn't really know what it was until later I started coming up to the mansion and the parties and really getting to see how the magazine was and how things worked. But she kind of referenced in the documentary about, you know, playmates and just like sex. Like, I don't think you had to have sex to be a playmate. Like, I don't think being a playmate was about having sex. Do you feel like there was kind of a feeling at the house, maybe among some people, or maybe people were encouraged, I don't know, to feel like I need to act as sexual as possible to get ahead in this game? Was that kind of the vibe? I don't want to say for everybody or blanket, but was that kind of a vibe that was uncomfortable? I think so. And it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't everybody, but Mm -hmm. there were some girls that were willing to act as sexual as possible, as you saw in the documentary, the bar scene at the club. I just, that's not me. That's not authentically me. I would not go to a bar or a club and and behave like that. And I get being like able to cut loose and have fun, but I would be embarrassed to be seen like that. And my idea of a playmate was not that. And so I wasn't willing to do those things to get into the magazine, not realizing at the time that I don't have to do those things to get in the magazine. Just be yourself, stay true to who you are. And however this shakes out, it shakes out. You know, but I, at that point, I think it was scaring me so much. You know, there was like the hot tub scene, there was the piercing down low and, you know, the camera, there was that scene where, and they also reference it in the documentary. I mean, her legs are open, the camera's like right there and they're looking at the piercing and I'm just like, I'm non-judgmental. Like, I don't care what anyone does. I'm like a very, I'm not a go with the flow personality, but when it comes to other people, I go with the flow, like, Mm -hmm. do you, I'll do me, like, I'm good. I would never dare do that on Fox or any TV show. And I'm like, my, my family's watching this. Like my grandma's watching this. Like, if this is what this is going to be about, like, I don't stand a chance here because I would just be like in spirals of anxiety (laughs) at night, you know, doing so. And I didn't want to drink either because you know how it is Mm -hmm. you drink and then you start to let loose and they were just like, the cameras are like, they're like vultures just waiting for the moment that you make an ass out of yourself and they can put that on TV. But there were some very provocative parts. And when I think of the image of a playmate, I think of like a respectable, beautiful model, like somebody that there are different categories, right? Like, like penthouse is not in the category of playboy. And I felt like playboy was the most elite. And they were respectable and um, some of the most beautiful women have graced the pages of Playboy magazine. I didn't picture Playboy, you know, being like just everything sex. Obviously, it's like sexual and obviously people have sex, but I don't think we need to run around having sex with everybody to be a playmate. I don't know. It was just it scared me. And being 18 or 19 or uh, whatever I was, it just it was incredibly intimidating and I didn't want to live with the regret of doing something that uh, was outside of who I really was and outside of my moral compass. Yeah, it must have been confusing because this is your introduction to a whole new world. And when you're seeing everybody else act one way, like, it might be fine for them, but you might be like, if that's outside of your comfort zone, oh, is this what's going to be expected mm-hmm. of me if I'm with this company all the time? And I remember seeing Hef used to get these printouts from the producers every day about like the antics at the house. And they would always like hype it up to make it sound really sexual. And I don't know how much of that was the producers elaborating in the write-ups, but they would say, things like, oh, this girl got really wild and crazy with a pepper mill between her legs in the kitchen at midnight, or this girl put an Oreo cookie on her nipple and another girl ate it off. And I'm like, what's going on over there? Which is like no judgment if that's what you want to do. 
but I can see how it would feel like I don't want to get swept up in this and expected to act like this. Like right. if it's not your comfort zone, because then you just end up like sitting in the corner twiddling your thumbs and it's like, why am I here? Yeah, you, <laughs> I just felt out of place. You yeah. know, you're a fish out of water. You feel out of place. And and I was just unwilling and definitely not going to do that on TV. Yeah. Or it's just like it even like not on tv I mean, <laughs> it's not me and it's you know it's okay if it's somebody else but it just wasn't so yeah. i felt like i was you know the outcast yeah you know what i think is interesting to mention here too is that they do this club scene but not everyone is 21. oh you're right that's so crazy and also that club scene reminded me a little bit of episode two where it's trying to make it look like you're giving the playmates shots because uh -huh. it's the same kind of thing where it shows jill drinking and then there's a couple other girls who are like I can't believe she got wasted like that. It's Dancing a very similar theme. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. very similar. They say they talk about being typecasted too on here. Like Shallon says she was the quiet, relatable underdog, but Jill says that she was typecast as the wild child. But she come they both come <laughs> in saying they are those things. Right. Yeah. Like Shallon came in and she says that she's like kind of the underdog, like does doesn't feel like she, feel like she belongs there. And Jill comes in saying, I'm the wild child or yeah. something to that effect. So I'm like, wait, that's not really are they typecasting or, or is that how you are? Is right. that who you are? Well, yeah, because it's like yeah. a two hour special. So you can't show anybody as more than like a one dimensional cardboard, right. unfortunately. Yeah. Right. They say uh, the voice is kind of coming from off camera. So I'm not sure who's saying it. It could even be you. But there's a voiceover of someone, someone saying it's okay to go out and drink and have a good time, but it's not okay to take it too far. We're all here on business. And you don't want to do anything to jeopardize that. But they don't like attribute it to anybody. I don't know who's saying it. I didn't know who I it wasn't me, but I don't know who said it. But I think things got pretty wild at the at the club. Yeah. Well, Jill says we were filming for Playboy a competition for Centerfold, not Catholic School Girl of the Month. <laughs> yeah. I I mean I get that, but maybe like a little middle ground, you know. <laughs> I'm just saying what just a said. little in between. I mean, it it kind of just went to the other yeah. End of the, I mean, the pendulum swung the other way. Yeah. I have one other note from what you said too, that I thought was in, that I thought was really cool to say. You said it was difficult to leave, but you had dreams and they were big ones. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love and that. I love it too, because I'm like, so I know that out. feeling. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It did work out and it could have worked out so differently because as we've talked about before, I mean, I quit a couple of times mm -hmm. because I was so, my anxiety got the best of me and because I was so afraid. So it really could have went the other direction. So I'm grateful. I've met, you know, amazing people, lifelong friendships. Just my experience with Playboy and the magazine was a positive one. Yeah. When you were doing that scene where you were walking outside the house with Ava, Ava Fabian was a playmate in the 80s and she was kind of the house mom of this show. And you were telling her like, oh, I don't know if this is me. And she goes, well, maybe it's not you. I remember watching that scene and being like, no, you need to get her to stay. Because at that point, like everybody could tell just how like pretty and nice you were. And you were like one of Hef's favorites and everybody knew you would be an amazing playmate. <laughs> I think she did. I think there were probably more conversations than she did, but they realized I was like a hard no at that point. Yeah. And it's a nice thing for her to do too. Yeah. Right. We don't really she need to be pushing people in any direction. My mom, on the other hand, <laughs> <laughs> wanted to force me to, to stay. But but Ava was, I mean, she was amazing. She mm -hmm. was great. But when I watched that scene, I felt so, like, it just really hit me because I was so skinny too. Like, you could tell, like, I hadn't eaten in days. I was, like, so not just nervous. I was nervous to a point of, like, I was sick. Like, I physically was, like, sick, and I couldn't eat anything. I couldn't sleep, and I knew, like, it was time to go home. Yeah. So watching that scene back, I just remembered how done I was, and I and I just was so homesick at that point that I'm like, I, I need to leave. Yeah, you, you say in your interview that you hadn't hit a wild phase in your life yet, and that um, you struggled from the time you landed at LAX with yeah. being there. And I being probably struggled home. the whole flight to there, and then when I landed... LAX in and of itself is so overwhelming. <laughs> like when I said it's a total freak out moment, like it was like freak out moment. You land and there's like noise everywhere. There's people everywhere. I mean, it's like there's a lot of commotion. And when you are from this small town, it's like a completely different world. It's definitely overwhelming. When you yeah. said that, like all the memories came flooding back oh, when I yeah. first came down to LAX. And it's just, it really is mm -hmm. 
just the introduction to LA you think you're going to get yeah. as like a small town girl. Yeah. It's like, bam, and there's then, palm trees outside. And <laughs> yeah. And then after you do the hustle and bustle of that airport, then you get in a car or traffic. A tra and then you're in 405 traffic to the mansion, bumper to bumper, honking and yelling mm -hmm. and just craziness for an hour till you get to the mansion. <laughs> it's like a completely different I mean, it's a completely different life. It's like when you're in Vegas and you get to the airport and there's like the slot machines everywhere and you're just like, hold on. Like I landed and I was like, whoa. So it started probably there or, or prior or just being nervous to even go. But then, I mean, seeing the girls in the house and the competition and everything that was going on, I was just like, I don't know what. I was thinking. Yeah. Well, talk about your mom's situation. Like, did she, was she upset with you for leaving or? So my mom, I was most nervous for the documentary to come out because of my mom. I didn't want to embarrass her, you know, on TV. I felt like she wanted the best for me, for me. And it, it came from a good place, mm -hmm. but at the same time, she wasn't very, supportive i i needed her to tell me at that time that like it's okay mm -hmm. like you're not ready and it's okay and so i brought this up to her after i i did the documentary i was so nervous because i'm like how are they going to cut this like how you know because they said we're going to show you a couple of clips of the show and we just want to see your reaction and as soon as they showed the part with my mom i was like i think i rolled my eyes like great like that's not the the part of the show that i want to deal with mm -hmm. And then I don't want to offend my mom or have her feel like I'm criticizing her. Um, and then it damaged my relationship with her today. Aww, so I was really afraid. It, it, it damaged your relationship? No, I was afraid that it was oh, going yeah. to. So for the last six months, I've been sitting in anxiety like, oh my gosh, they showed that scene. And so I brought it up to her and I said, hey, you know, they showed that scene and, you know, it wasn't great. And she was like, well, I knew you had won. You know, I, I knew that you, they had already called me and told me that you won. And I'm like, <laughs> wait what that's what she said and i was like i don't think so i don't think that like that's how it works like moms nobody... are so funny and she's they probably really embarrassed are. you know that she was so harsh and you know at the end i'm like i love you and she's like click you know <laughs> so she's probably you know just in, a little embarrassed and but i was grateful with how it turned out because there was nothing that was that bad and but it could have been worse um i'm trying to think of what well, i said through the whole interview not, not to um i don't know your mom so i can't speak for her but it almost seems to me too that she felt like this was your one and only opportunity for something like this right. and she didn't want you to lose it right and she knew that you did want it deep down and that you just had to like persevere through it right you know? get through the anxiety yeah and so i think it, it was coming from a good place that's how i felt when i watched the scene but mm. i can see how other people can yeah. go wait what her mom's forcing her to do this like right won't, won't let her leave or isn't there for her when she wants to leave i don't see it that way at all i feel it's very much she doesn't want you to miss this opportunity because mm. not everybody gets a second opportunity mm. to do this right and she tried out for playboy 20 years before so i'm sure for her too it's like she was able to live her dream through that and be happy for her child. And yeah. Um, so I think that you're right. She, she wanted the best for me and she didn't want me to miss the opportunity. Mm -hmm. But I think at the time I was in such a severe state of anxiety. It's like you're drowning and you're reaching for anybody. And I so badly needed somebody to say like, honey, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Because there was no turning back for me at that point. I was, it wasn't like, oh, I don't know. I would wanted to go home. I was yeah. just like, I'm too afraid to do this. Like, I'm not physically, I can't eat. I can't sleep. I'm not physically capable of doing this right now. Right. And fortunately, I got lucky and there, you know, it wasn't the only opportunity, yeah. but it could have gone the other way, which would have really sucked. Mm -hmm. Do you think you would have had regrets if it didn't go the other way? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I do. So then it, you leave, but then it goes on to do the different rounds. They, they break it down to six girls and then they do like a photo shoot and then it breaks it down to three girls. And, but after they break it down to six girls, they have Jill in interview saying that she said, to be honest, she felt she already knew who they were going to pick. And she felt that her photo shoot was rushed because they already knew who the winner was going to be. Do you guys think they already knew who it was going to be at that point? 
possible. And I think it's possible. I think they probably have their front runners. I don't know if maybe if it was a hundred percent decided, but if she felt like the other girls already had the upper edge, it's hard to then be away from your child and know that you're not going to, to win anyway. I yeah. can see how that could be really difficult for her. I feel like when you're in those competitions and I even think back to like pageant times and stuff like that, if I got like the, a suspicion or somebody was talking about how they already know, and it happened to me one time, mm -hmm. they already know who's going to win this. It's very hurt. And you feel like you're just wasting your time and you get really defensive and right. like upset about it because you put a lot of money for pageants anyway and time into those kinds of things. So when you start hearing those rumors, it really messes with you. Mentally. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, they didn't have it chosen, though, just to answer the question. They didn't. No, not at all. Um, at that point, like you were already gone. And at this point where it was six girls, um, Shallon was Hef's favorite, but even he hadn't made a decision yet. So they definitely didn't have it picked. It wasn't like, oh, we know Lauren's going to win. Let's just get this over with. Like it yeah. absolutely was not. It's I mean, they might have had their favorites and maybe Jill didn't feel like she was the favorite. So, and I know that that's a shitty feeling, but they definitely didn't have like a winner picked. She still made it to the top six. Yeah, though. that's amazing. I mean, that's ha first mm. of all, the, the big net that they, then she yeah. made it to the 12, then she made it to the six. So that's getting pretty far in things. Um, but then they cut it down to Lauren, Christina, and Shallon. I wonder why Christina didn't participate in the interview. Do you talk to her at all? I don't talk to her. Um, I, I wondered. I thought she would, but I mean, I haven't talked to her in 15 years. I totally thought she would, too. I have no idea what she's up to or where she's at in her life. Yeah, yeah that's so interesting. One thing I noticed about the elimination when they pick the final three is everybody's being really careful not to look too happy, I think, out of consideration for the other contestants. Because nobody's like, yes! I got it. And like getting up and standing in the spot. Everybody's yeah. like, like they're being very respectful yeah. of everybody else's feelings, which I thought was nice. Yeah. And maybe there was a lot of discrepancy. Maybe they really didn't know who to choose as well, because choosing all three to become playmates, I'm sure, you know, it, it probably was a hard decision. Mm hmm. Yeah. So the final challenge is doing the actual centerfold. And Lauren said she was nervous because she had her body image issues, but her competitive nature kicked in and she really just wanted to win at that point. And um, Shallon just says that she never thought she could have photos that looked quite so beautiful, which is like one of the amazing things mm -hmm. about Playboy's yeah. having those photos. And then Lauren ends up winning the competition and she said it made her feel more confident and become a stronger person, even with her body image issues. And then Shallon and Christina go home. Well, they're at a hotel waiting to go home. And then I guess out of nowhere, Hef calls and says, I want you guys to be playmates too. Yeah. And the only reason the other two didn't win is he had to pick a centerfold to go to print right away. So he had to like agree to one and he liked Lauren's the best, but Christina and Shallon both came back. Definitely Shallon came back and reshot because hers ended up looking totally different. It was like a horizontal where she's like on a gold chase. And then Christina's was like the same theme, but I think she had to reshoot hers too. Well, Lauren, I feel like had a shoe in because it was schoolgirl and Hef has a thing for schoolgirl. So that was going to be yeah, like... <laughs> right. <laughs> And then they talked to uh, Lauren in the interview and she says that um, she stayed the winner of the show and that's all that mattered to her. So she was happy that Christina and Shallon got to be in the magazine too. But how random that somebody who didn't win went on to be Playmate of the Year. Right? <laughs> yeah. So for the listeners out there, Christina actually oh, goes on right. to win Playmate of the Year that year. Yeah. Even though Lauren, Shallon, and Christina are all in that year. Mm -hmm. Right. I didn't even think about that, but I mean, there's so many like elements that go into playmate of the year besides just the photography you know so yeah. it's you know how much you're there and participating and working with the company so i guess and also the readers poll you mm -hmm. know so i guess i can see that as well then the producers and this is one of the spots where i felt like they were trying to, to dig and then it just didn't really come out but the producer asked lauren if she watched the show when it came out on TV and she said she did that they had a party at her mom's house to watch. They had lots of people over. And then he asked, is, was it, or no, it was actually the, um, sorry, it was the, the female producer that was doing it, not the showrunner. And they asked if it was awkward watching the show being topless with your mom. And she said, well, they didn't show the naked parts. They blurred it out, but where they are going with this is then they talk about how Playboy was doing their own version of it. That's not edited. Oh, the uncensored. The uncensored version. Yeah. They had the showrunner say the girls knew they were signing up for the Fox TV show. And in the paperwork they signed, they were ultimately also signing up 
for Playboy to do their version of the show, Who Wants to Be a Playboy Centerfold, the uncensored version of the TV show. Which is kind of a risk because it's like when you make the decision to pose nude or something, it's kind of a risky thing because it could work out. Like you could become a centerfold. You could have that great experience you want but it might not. And then you're stuck with like nudes floating around mm -hmm. or nude footage. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but no matter how comfortable you are, there's going to be fucking people who judge, which sucks. Yeah. So it's kind of like this weird risk reward thing. And I think it's an important thing to think about even for people who today who might be starting in OnlyFans because you hear about people make so much money on OnlyFans, but you might not like if you don't already have a following. So if you're not real comfortable with just having nudes out there floating around, yeah, it's just something really to think about. It's always such a risk because like there were so many girls on that TV show that were just like naked in front of the cameras, but they never got to be published as Playmates. Mm -hmm. So you yeah. never know how it's going to go. Yeah. Well, all the girls testing too. And all those pictures can mm -hmm. be used for whenever they want. Right. That's right. In the beginning, because they're taking their top off and, yeah. and they weren't even a part of, you know, really the show or the magazine, but they show clips of it. Yeah. I went to the Millennium search and they used my photos in the magazine, like my Polaroids. <sighs> That's I made them part. sign not to. I'm like, can you write, don't use this in the perfect? And they were like, okay. I was afraid to do that because I was afraid that that would like X me out. Right, I wouldn't right. be considered because. I mean, it might. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it might. Yeah. Well, this is exactly where the, the documentary kind of goes because then they talk about Jill comes on and talks about how it was hard for her to go home. And the unedited version was shocking. And it was before there was social media and stuff, but there were blogs and there oh. were message boards and they oh, were yeah. brutal. We know how that goes. <laughs> we know all yeah. about that big time. And she was like, they were feeding off what they were seeing on the show too. They see all these males judging all these girls and then they think they can do it too. You know? Yeah, nobody polices that. So mm -hmm. it, the people can just say whatever they want to say. Oh yeah. my God, you guys, sorry to cut you off. I just thought of this. Speaking of the comments, it shows some of those comments and Hep is like going over the center of all goes, this one looks a little long in the torso and i'm just thinking as if women don't have a million things to be insecure about now we have to worry about being long, long in the torso like, what the fuck is that what does that even mean i know I, oh i've always God. thought i have like a long torso i'm like is that like a bad thing it like <laughs> gives you so some weird. extra room i mean i don't know what i didn't know that it was I like know. long torso was like a bad yeah who knew that was a situation thing? i mean you guys, your torso can never be too yeah, long. Yeah, I don't have a long torso. <laughs> I mean, it kind of like leans you out, you know? So it's like, you don't have to like suck it in so much. <laughs> yeah, why not? Because it stretches Give you out. Long yeah. torso. <laughs> I'm okay Ooh. with a long torso. Oh my gosh. That was but... one of my attributes. <laughs> and then Shallon, and she still gets emotional about it today. Somebody called her the town teeter-totter. Which I don't want to laugh at because I feel bad if that makes her feel bad. But that's the dumbest, fucking dumbest stupidest thing ever, right? Ever. But the fact is that Poor it Shell. stuck with her. I know, it's so sad. Yeah. And that it still makes her tear up today. Yeah. Like, it's horrible. People and just think they can say anything. And they think that the people they're talking about aren't even human. Yeah, right. there are no repercussions. and Or that that doesn't actually hurt somebody. We talk about it all the time. Like, we'll be like, oh, we got the hater comment of the week. Because somebody, like, like just the other day, somebody told me, oh, look, like, good for you for starting a Zempic or something like that. And, like, <laughs> what <laughs> makes people just... think they can talk like that? Like, nowhere. And you have all these things in the world that are, like, not acceptable right now. Like, like the pendulum, pendulum really has swung the other way. Like, there's so many things that are just not acceptable. Like, it's, like, a very sensitive era, okay? But people can do shit like that. Yeah. Like, right. it's okay to say something like that about somebody else but like i mean we can't say anything like i mean sh i can't even say things in front of my kids or you can't say that i'm like i didn't know that like <laughs> oh i bet yeah. your kids are crying oh, all the time. mom you so can't much. say that word you can't do that the other day i'm like can i say like redhead am i is that allowed i'm just talking about like, like the color of their hair you know like I, I don't know it's like you can't say anything but like people can sit there and like shame the fuck out of you like publicly mm -hmm. and like talk about your weight or your appearance or your torso or yeah. yeah. So maybe you when know. we need to find out like what what's okay to say, we need to contact your yeah. kids. Yeah. <laughs> They'll tell you everything this and then some of the things that they do say, I'm like, what is that? Yeah. Carmela, I'm obsessed with your cute makeup brush photo. They show like a tear sheet of yours on the on Secrets of Playboy. And oh, no. brushes, And it's so cute. My it's first photo thing. shoot ever. It's so cute. That was my very first photo shoot. It was the Cleveland Plain Dealer. Um, I was 16. Aww. And <laughs> it was like super goofy. But it was, I mean, that was authentically my very first. So cute. Taxi model management. 
So Jill's story is really harrowing and I don't know if we feel even comfortable like discussing it because we don't like, like we said before, we don't like reacting to other people's trauma, but she went through a lot after mm-hmm. her pictures came out. Yeah. With her kid mm-hmm. or kid, she yeah. one kid. And then they kind of do um, wrap ups. Lauren says she credits Hef and Playboy for changing her image of herself for the better. And then she also talks about having to miss two weeks of class and the professor failed her. So she didn't go back to school. So she didn't fulfill her lifelong dream of becoming a veterinarian. But she thought that she could do better for animals by working in the public eye and doing stuff with PETA. And then you say you felt sad and wished that um, you had stayed. So you wrote Hef a letter. I did. I wrote (laughs) him a letter and he asked me to come out to a party and then also to test which I bailed on again. So I went out <laughs> to the party and then um, I went, I had a photo shoot scheduled and the makeup artist was there, the photographer, wardrobe, and I got on a plane and I went back to Cleveland again. And I'm like this, I am never getting another chance <laughs> to work for Playboy again um, after I just bailed. And then I was like such a brat. I was like, okay, I'll shoot, but I want to only shoot in Chicago because it's like an hour flight mm-hmm. from Cleveland. And I, I want to shoot here. And so he did. He let me shoot in Chicago. And we kind of talked about the centerfold that I shot there and he threw in the trash. And <laughs> that's so it. You funny. have to come to LA. <laughs> yeah. Throw it in the trash. I probably had a long torso. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been that long torso. Yeah, that long torso is in the garbage. She needs to come to LA. You know how it is too, like shooting a centerfold. I know everybody, like America looks at a centerfold and they think, you know, oh, it's like a picture. Mm-hmm. That picture took a week to shoot, mm-hmm. eight hours a day, stuck in a single position. I can't even like walk. I'm like limping. My back hurts. And, yeah. you know, so it, there's a lot of work that went into that. So after I did that, I was like, oh, hell no. Like if I'm going to do this now, I'm I'm going to be in the the magazine so yeah. i was like on the next flight out yeah. to la like well we were all rooting for you from yeah. thank you <laughs> thank you well it worked out for you because not only did you get playmate but playmate of the year that was know. crazy i almost didn't get playmate of the year that was a little tricky it was that hot ass contest <laughs> another like thing that i was you know not going to like get outside of being myself i don't know i was kind of that fuck you mentality too like I'm not going to do anything that like I don't want to do. Well, I don't know. I mean, if Playboy was my company, I'd rather not have my Playmate of the Year do a hot ass contest in a random fucking bar. Because you're trying to like (laughs) hold up the image too, you know, the image of like being like a prestigious like like Miss America, but naked. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And you say that posing nude was liberating. You did it then and you do it now. Oh, I would do it now. I would do it now still too. Sometimes I don't, I mean, there were times like, even as an adult, I remember like in Vegas, like having a couple drinks and like just ending up running down the hallway naked. And I'm like, why am I running down the hallway naked in Vegas? And you're, it's just, there's something so <laughs> liberating about just like getting naked and just like doing streaking. it, like, making, like <laughs> streaking and making that decision. And I mean, I'm pretty sure I was at like 35 when I was going through my divorce, like driving around on golf carts, like slashing people. And like, there, there's just something like, there is something liberating about. Well, you say it's empowering and you're making a choice for you. Yes. And if that's the worst thing that I ever did in my life, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And Jill says she's at a place in her life where she knows herself and loves herself and she is happy. And we already kind of talked about this. You guys were talking about how the show couldn't be made today because of some of the comments that were made and Jill says that if it were made today, everyone would be canceled. (laughs) (laughs) Well, even when people talk about their time on America's Next Top Model, like a lot of problematic stuff comes out. I've heard some things. Yeah. Yeah. And the showrunner kind of says there's a reason why Playboy magazine does not exist anymore. And what is the next iteration of it? No one really knows. But the business of exploitation is not going away. It's just done in different form. It's funny how we say like, I don't know if I necessarily agree with like if the show was made today, like it just wouldn't work out. Like there's definitely it feels like a double standard. Like, would it not work out? Like, why is everyone allowed to do OnlyFans then? Like, so we can have sex on camera and do all this on OnlyFans, but like that show wouldn't be like, we're, we were exploited posing nude and yeah. like in a very, I think 
tame way. It was a conservative. We weren't posing for penthouse. It wasn't, you know, it was tasteful. I was going to say, I think you could do a show similar to that today if you had it more nuanced. Like maybe you're not judging the women solely on their looks. Maybe you're getting to know them a little bit more, things like that. Or maybe your people are more careful what they say when they're doing like the breakdowns in front of everybody, things like that. You're right. Probably in the process of critiquing, like they could be more politically correct, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And just and, like more considerate about right. people's feelings and but more diversity. But then you can have sex on the internet though. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. We're not, nobody's being exploited or, you know, it's just, it's so, it's just a weird time. I understand the difference in opinions, um, but it just doesn't seem to be very consistent. No, not at all. At all. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I have to over explain every single thing I say because people want to take things You're the wrong risk, way yeah. or they want to edit your stuff out of context and say, well, you said that. And it's like, no, I actually said the opposite of right. what you're saying I'm trying to say. Right. Yeah. You're at risk for anything that you say publicly. And that was another reason I was afraid to do the documentary mm-hmm. because it's like we live in a world where I am fearful that, oh my gosh, if I say the wrong thing, it's either going to be taken out of context or maybe I just said the wrong fucking thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, does that ever happen? Is that, does anyone ever make a mistake and just mm-hmm. say the wrong thing sometimes? Right. But you you can't even say the wrong thing anymore. But then you have these like people on the internet that can say it's not consistent. They can say every wrong thing because you can't see them. Yeah. So let me say like how fat you are or that you're taking Ozempic or that your torso is long or whatever. It's like you can, they can say whatever they want. It's just, it's, there's no consistency. And yeah. And we're, it's just a very unique time. Yeah. It's almost like we're oversensitive and inconsistent. Absolutely. One thing I wanted to ask you about, because I know when you talk to us about wanting to, or not wanting to do, but considering doing Secrets of Playboy, one of the reasons you wanted to do it is you wanted to talk about all the positive female friendships you made through Playboy. And they didn't include that at all. I know there were, there there were definitely some things that were not included that I was very hopeful. Uh, One of the biggest things in my life besides my children are my friends. Like Mm -hmm. I truly feel like the women that I have in my life are my real soulmates. It's like when we're younger, we always have this image of like getting married and like finding your soulmate. And um, there's just this like misconception that it has to be a man or that it has to be a woman on the other side. But I, my friends are my soulmates. Like I've been fortunate to have really met the most amazing women. I have one of my best friends from kindergarten. Mm -hmm. I have one of my best friends from being 20. I have my closest friends in San Diego that I have like five amazing women. Um, I have people that I've kept in contact with like you guys for the last 15, 20 years, like those friendships are so important. Um, so I do wish they would have touched on that because I mean, that was one of the biggest gifts that came out of Playboy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. There's so many female friendships, right? Yeah. yeah. I consider myself super lucky to have that. Yeah. So there, there were a lot of positive things. I don't discredit any of the negative things that came out of it as well. And, and everybody's, you know, everyone has their own experience, you know, mm-hmm. um, our experiences were all different, Yeah. but for me personally, um, there, there were definitely some really, really great things. And I'm sure for you too, there were, you know, great things, um, in terms of friends and the, oh, the yeah, I mean, look absolutely. at your friendship for yeah. all of these years. Like, you know, there's always like the silver lining. Yeah, you know? for sure. Even in the worst of situations, like I remember feeling like my whole life was falling apart when I was separating from Jeff. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, this is not what I, this is not how it was supposed to be. This is not what I planned. Like I didn't have all these kids to then like get divorced and like to live in split homes. And to, I, and I really was in a very, I couldn't see outside of the chaos but there were people that I met in the process that were, um, there were girlfriends in particular that I met that were going through similar situations um, and they're lifelong friends. And they're, it's like, they're on this journey with me. We're raising our kids together, mm-hmm. like the most important things in our lives. And I'm like, there were great things that came out of not so great things. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Well, and now we have episode two to oh, worry about. I'm I know it's for you. That's the weird thing is I have so many amazing female friendships, but it's odd because there's also like this underbelly of like female, like horror relationships I have from that era too. Yeah. It's just, it's weird because it's totally a two-sided coin to me from like best right. to worst. Yeah. It's crazy. 
but luckily more good people than yeah, people right. I have drama with. Well, I'm so glad we got to have you come I in know, and talk thank about you this. Both so and, much. It's yeah. so nice. So glad that our friendships have endured. I know, I know. Let's go get some dinner. Yes, yes, yes. dinner and drinks. <laughs> so you guys, we will be back next week. If you would like more content, be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash girls next level. And we'll see you next time. Bye guys. Bye.